please join with me in our call to worship. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Enter into worship with thanksgiving and praise. We thank God and bless God's name. For the Lord is good. God's mercy is everlasting. God's truth endures all generations. For 1st we encourage you to use your hymnals so that you can sing the harmony to enrich that sound. It will also be on the screens. Please stand with me as we sing verses 1, 2, and 3 of the hymn of praise, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Let us pray. 
Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day. We ask that your spirit might come and rain down upon us this morning. May it enter each and every heart, but even more, may it pull us together and unite us as your people in this faith community. May your words that are proclaimed honor you. May the songs that we sing provide praise to you. And may the touch that we provide to one another bring your spirit and your health to each and everyone here today through Christ who is our Lord. Amen. Good morning. We'd like to share some parish joys and concerns with you this morning. We pray for Eileen Decker, for her husband Jim, who was recently hospitalized with difficulty swallowing. Please also pray for Kevin Emmert's sister, Melinda Emmert, recently hospitalized at Riverview Hospital. And please keep Bill and Joyce Boyce in prayer for medical issues. Joyce is scheduled for medical treatment to her knee, actually, tomorrow. And also pray for Sherry Evers as she continues to deal with her health issues. We praise God also for all of those that have been discharged from the hospital this week and are now home. Praise God for that. And we also share our praise and joy for the gift of touch in our lives. Please share your prayer concerns using the website link to the prayer requests or use your Noblesville app where the prayer request form is also available and contact your pastoral care team for upcoming surgeries or pastoral needs at care at noblesvillefirst.com. The word first is spelled out. We have a 24-7 care line as well. That number is 317-773-2590 or the church office at 317-773-2500. I also invite those that are online to do the same. Our chancel choir will now sing our anthem.
Now we'd like to invite you to join me in the call to prayer. Creator, Christ, and Spirit, when our souls hunger for fulfillment, you touch our deepest hunger and fill us with good things. You refresh us with living water. When we long for what is authentic and for what endures, you show us the way, the truth, and the life. Receive our praise and gratitude, living God, for you are the source of all that matters. Forgive our forgetfulness of what matters to you. Heal our lives and our relationships with your mercy. And show us all that we can become your gentle love and infinite grace. Amen. At this time, we will join together in a bit of a silent prayer, followed by a pastoral prayer, and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together as well. And as we go into silent prayer, I will be going thinking about Jesus touching my hand as we sit together in silence as we pray. I would invite you to do the same. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus and by most Holy Spirit, please hear our prayers. Thank you for the many gifts, Lord, that you have given to us. You are the reason we have everything and anything at all. We pray for those, Father, who have been on our sick and injured list here at the church. We ask that you touch them with your love, the love that heals, the love that mends, the love that redeems and salvages broken bodies and souls such as ours, the love that gives us eternal life. We also pray, Lord Jesus, that you touch the hearts of those that never make it to any list for comfort and healing. We pray for those who go unnoticed, for those who go unloved, for those that are bullied or tortured or abused or cast aside. Lord Jesus, please help all your children to love. Forgive us, Father, when we do not see. Forgive us when we avoid what you call us to do, to obey your command to act and to walk in the way of your love toward others, even when they cannot or will not love us. Touch our hearts with your gentle hands, Jesus. Please share your peace so we can comfort those who are hurting. For your glory, God, not for ours, but for your glory, Father, we love you. And we thank you, Jesus, for the prayer you taught us so long ago that we say together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I'd like to lift up a few announcements, <clears throat> bring to your attention. 
We launched grief share and divorce care this week on Thursday and Friday, but with this early in the session, you can still join. If you know someone that could be benefiting from these uh, <clears throat> ministries, please reach out and share this information with them that you find in the bulletin. Also, our fourth Wednesday luncheon will be on August 25th, and the deadline is coming up a week from tomorrow to sign up for that, and we'll be enjoying <clears throat> having a hymn sing at that time with Tom Weesey's leading us. And also, we want to lift up the Associate Director of Family Ministries has been hired now, Livia Dielen, who's been working as our media specialist, has felt a call to youth ministry, and we'd like to invite all of those families that have uh, youth from 6th grade to 12th grade to come and meet her on August 22nd from 4.30 to 7 p.m. And we're also still seeking to hire a Sunday morning media director, so if you have anybody that you think might be interested, please have them contact us. One more announcement didn't make the bulletin, but we want to lift up today. Um, we sell mums each fall that uh, support our Mission Guatemala trips each year. We hope to do that sometime next year. The mums are only $10 a piece, and they are great, uh, they're great mums, and you'll appreciate them in your yard, but it's also a great way to support this mission. Orders are due by Monday, August 30th. Pickup will be on September the 9th. You can go to noblesofirst.com to get all the information and what you need to order those. At this time, I invite you to pull out your connection card. You find a place in the front to record the best method of contact. On the back side, you'll see a place for prayer requests and also opportunities to connect and to serve. So please check those out. Look over how you might be able to share your gifts for the work of the ministry here at Noblesville First. Com. We especially want to lift up the Family Promise Week coming up the end of this month. Uh, we need lots of meals provided as well as some who can stay and host overnight. After I pray for the offering today, we'll invite the children and those leaders to head towards the Noblesville First Kids program. And so at this time, let us pause and thank God for this opportunity. Lord, we thank you for your gift the gift of life, the gift of all of our resources, even our ability to make a living comes because of the intelligence you provide, the experiences that we've been through. Let us not take those for granted, but utilize those for the benefit of others and for your kingdom. So please take what we offer today, multiply it, focus it, and may it make the difference that we hope it can in this world and in the lives of the people that you love. This we ask through in the name of Christ, who is our Lord. Amen.
And may the peace of Christ be with you. Please turn and at least say hi to someone. In this. Those of you that are watching online, we hope that you be sure to check in with each other, share your presence so that you can connect with those who are also watching. I want to give a shout out to the choir for parking over in the softball lot today. That opened up parking spaces for you, so please thank them for that. Those little things make a difference. Well, we're here in the month of August, and our series is called We're Back. We're talking about the things that COVID took away from us, those gift of ministries that are so critical and essential to us. The first week we talked about the gift of community. And we described how socially, how inherent social, how socially inherent it is for our emotions and our faith that we connect and relate to one another. We talked about how easy it is to have gotten cocooned because of this pandemic and breaking out of that is not a simple thing. We share the the fact that we laugh five times as often when we're with others than when we're alone. So we need to be together. Last week we talked about the gift of song. And we share that the Bible commands us to sing. We mentioned that Jesus is described in the scriptures as singing with the disciples on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we lifted up that much of our New Testament is found uh, with hymn fragments, hymns that are shared, portions of scripture that that illuminate and bring and become sacred scripture to us. All those things are so vital. Today we're talking about the gift of touch. Something that's been taken away from us by COVID. In a little while, Pastor Jill is going to focus specifically on the scripture that we just read. I want to talk about the complexities of human touch, both before COVID and now even more complicated because of COVID. And one thing that uh, you might know about me is that sometimes God inspires me to do crazy things. And one time I did something kind of crazy at a funeral, 
But when I share the story, you'll understand why. You see, there was a woman named Janice that had started coming to our church soon after she discovered that she had cancer. She was way too young to be getting cancer. But through a very unique hospital visit, we bonded in a way that caused me to get invited to some of their family gatherings. And one thing I noticed about Janice was that she was a very loving person who loved to express herself through touch. And often she would come up to somebody if they were seated, she'd come in behind them, and she'd just start rubbing their shoulders and ask how you're doing. She just did everything she could to make people feel comfortable, especially in her home. Well, two years later, Janice lost her battle with cancer. And I will never forget the funeral that was held in her home church up in Muncie. And I decided to take a risk. Something about this just seemed right. So I invited everybody at the very beginning of the funeral to stand up and turn to the person right beside them and start rubbing their shoulders. And then after a little bit, I invited them to turn the other way and rub the person that just rubbed your shoulders. And you know, it worked. And it worked because that's who Janice was. It was the right thing to do. It was the perfect way to remember and celebrate her life for what she'd given to us on earth. Now, my guess is if we tried to do that here, especially if we tried to do it every Sunday, pretty soon we might see the attendance getting a little smaller. (laughs) Now, I know some of you would love it, right? And then there would be others like, I don't know, this is a little too much for me. And that is the thing about touch, isn't it? It's different for each of us. And it kind of depends on a lot of things. It depends on the relationship we have with the person. It depends on the situation that we're in. It it depends on what kind of touch that it is. And some of our comfort level is due to cultural differences. There's an interesting study that was done in the 1960s by psychologist Sidney Jouard. He discovered... Uh, this, this unique thing by listening to conversations with people as they sat at a cafe. And he timed those conversations. And he went to different countries to see how this was lived out differently. What he discovered was that in England, two friends could talk for more than an hour and never touch each other. In America, the United States, two people might talk and in bursts of enthusiasm, they might touch each other twice in an hour. In France, they counted that that number shot up to 110 per hour. And Puerto Rico, it was 180 times per hour. So it depends on the culture we grew up in. It also depends on our upbringing, right? I grew up in a family that was not touchers at all. I remember the shock when I became a part of my first wife's family. And they even, when the women said goodbye to each other, they kissed each other on the lips. That was a whole new thing for me. Took a while to get used to. And I don't know how it is for you, but for me, it's it's an awkward zone because there's that part of me that really likes it. It's a great source of spiritual connection and it's a great source of comfort to others. But boy, is it hard to navigate when and where it's okay and when it's not. And COVID has only made this more complicated, right? 
You remember when early in the pandemic, because we weren't quite sure exactly how this thing was transmitted, we'd buy, we'd go to the store and bring our products home and you'd wipe everything down just in case. Or if you worked in a public setting, you'd come home and you'd just strip down in the garage or the mudroom so that you couldn't pull anything into the house. Uh, you remember the creative mother who was so upset that her children couldn't get hugs from their grandparents, and so she created this big physical barrier and got the arms in plastic so they could slip their arms in there and get those hugs in a safe way. And now, even though we are mostly vaccinated, we're not sure what is okay and not okay. We may feel the data suggests that we're safe, but we don't know quite how the other person feels. We don't know whether to shake hands or offer fist bumps or arm bars or just wave as they pass by. And we thought we were about past this, right? And now these variants are kind of restoking those fears. Even though the data suggests that 99% are likely not going to get sick enough to end up in the hospital or die, we're still carrying around this uncertainty of what social behaviors are okay. And I don't have all the answers to how to navigate this complicated time. I think each of us have to handle this in our own way. I've just started the practice of asking permission if somebody wants a hug or not. I try to place myself after church in a spot so that you don't have to shake hands with me if you don't want to, but I'm there if you'd like to. We all have to figure this out. But one thing I do know is that God created us to touch and be touched. A review of research by Tiffany Field, she's a leader in the field of touch, found that preterm newborns who receive just three 15-minute sessions of touch therapy each day for at least five to ten days would result in 47% more weight than premature infants who receive just standard medical treatment. What a difference. Neuroscientist Edmund Rolls discovered that touch activates the brain's orbital frontal cortex, which is linked to the feelings of reward and compassion. And basic warm touch calms cardiovascular stress. And then I surveyed the scriptures this week, looked at all the places where it talks about Jesus touching, and you'd be amazed how often Jesus uses touch to heal. Remember the story where he put mud on someone's eyes who was blind and brought about healing? Mark chapter 6, verse 56 says that people who just touched Jesus were healed. And probably the most amazing thing is that Jesus reached out and touched lepers in a society that had lepers so removed from society because of the fear of the contagion. And the fear of other things. They had to even walk on the other side of the road and announce their presence so that people would know to keep their distance. And here was the scripture that moved me the most this week. It comes from John chapter 20. It says, Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. This is the one who had leaned against Jesus at the meal and asked him, Lord, who is going to betray you? Hear that? He leaned against Jesus. Jesus must have been comfortable with touch. I don't know about you, but I guess I kind of had this image that Jesus was this God-man that had this little invisible aura around him that you just didn't touch. But that's probably not the case. Our Lord seemed to be very comfortable with touch. 
So if you're like me, or you're still reeling from the fear that COVID has instilled in us, I hope that you'll consider how vital this gift of touch is to our spiritual and emotional well-being. I hope we can find the safe ways to touch one another because our health depends upon it. Let me close with this story. Several years ago when I was serving a church in southwest Indianapolis, I got asked, this is back in the late 80s, early 90s, to go visit the brother of one of our parishioners. Well, it turns out that this brother of hers had HIV HIV AIDS. He was a gay man, and he was sick enough. He was in university hospital, and his family had a tough time handling his lifestyle. Now this illness was making things even more complicated. So I went to visit him, and we had a very good conversation. And then I went to do what I typically do when I go visit people in the hospital. I offer to pray, and I usually offer my hand if it seems appropriate. If there's family around, I usually invite the family to form a circle. We all grasp hands and pray. And when I reached my hand out, he looked at me and hesitated. He kind of had a look of shock on his face, and it, it dawned on me at that moment that this young man probably hasn't been touched by anybody except a nurse with gloved hands for at least months. And I knew enough by that time. We knew enough, even though in general society there was still a certain amount of fear to it, I knew enough that I knew he couldn't transmit it through simple touch like that. And so I shared my hand bravely, and he grasped it tightly, almost desperately. And we prayed, and tears came to his eyes. And I tell you, to this day, it's still one of the most sacred things I've ever done in ministry to bring God's touch to somebody who so desperately needed it. Well, I hope that you find those moments and find the ways that you're safe and comfortable with it. But God touches us, and we can touch others with God's love in that way. So let's rediscover that God-given power of physical touch, especially in the time that we're living. And may the example of Jesus inspire us to reach out to one another. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we are so grateful for all the examples of Jesus touching someone in, in the scriptures. Help us to find that safe way, regardless of what culture we were raised in, what our family life was like. Help us to navigate that in the way that we best can. Because so much can happen. Your spirit can, can be communicated in that most powerful way, especially in those right circumstances. That is our hope and prayer on this day through Christ who is our Lord. Amen.
We're ready to go again, weren't we? There's a balm in Gilead. Amen. Well, I have to admit that like Pastor Jerry, I don't consider myself an overly touchy-feely person. I, too, did not grow up in a home where touch was used as a sign of affection very often. So I've had to learn over the years the importance of touch, especially as a mother and a pastor. And I've been challenged time and time again to step out of my comfort zone when appropriate and offer the gift of touch. And like Pastor Jerry, I've had many experiences where the Spirit is present in those moments. I can think of a few times that touch affected me personally. One was when I was a college student and feeling rejected and alone when I did not get invited to join a sorority. I was standing outside of my church job one night taking a break, and I was on the phone with my mom in tears. A woman I did not know walked into the building, and she saw that I was upset and gently placed her hand on my shoulder before going inside. In that moment, I realized just how important that simple touch, that gesture of touch was so crucial and how much it meant to me. It said, I don't know what you're going through, but people care and you're not alone. Jesus understood the importance of touch. His hands were used to heal, to anoint, to bless, to perform miracles and feed the hungry. But he wasn't the only one who understood the importance of touch. The woman in our story today had faith enough that touch above anything else was her saving grace. There are several images online of this woman. I like this one the best because it shows both the determination and courage and desperation that she had in this moment. So because of her medical condition of bleeding, this woman would have been considered unclean. Now, I grew up with two OBGYN doctors for parents. I had a very interesting childhood. Dinner conversations were never dull. (laughs) But I understand just enough to know that in today's world, a simple procedure or medication would have cured whatever gynecological issue this woman was suffering from. But 2,000 years ago, women suffered in silence and shame. The list of restrictions in the Torah law for a bleeding woman was long and tedious and meant to turn her into an outcast. To be labeled unclean was to be unwelcome and unwanted. Everything she touched, everything she sat on or slept in or wore was unclean. And if any person touched her or anything that she had touched, they were also unclean and would have to go through the same ritual cleansing. She was isolated with no community around her, no support, no one to lean on. And not only that, but she would have been seen as deserving of her illness because of her supposedly sinful life. Because in first century living, sin and disease walked hand in hand. So to sum it up, she probably hadn't been touched in years. Twelve years of being unclean. Twelve years of no house guests or public events. 
no potluck dinners, 12 years of perhaps no spouse or children or visits from family, 12 years of never being touched by anyone, ever. She was desperate. She had nothing left, financially, emotionally, and physically drained. Luke tells us himself that no one could heal her. And she couldn't even go to the temple to pray to God for help because by law she could not go into the temple. But then there's Jesus. Through God, Jesus solved the problem. Jesus came out of the temple and into the streets where she could approach him one-on-one. Now, some scholars believe that she traveled almost 30 miles from Caesarea Philippi to Capernaum just to seek out Jesus. What faith and courage, especially for a woman who probably had to travel alone and who was very sick. Just think of the courage it took for her to be among the crowd let alone touch the robe of Jesus. To even touch his clothes would be breaking those cleanliness laws and to risk making Jesus himself unclean. Too often, this woman is labeled in our Bibles as the woman with the issue of blood. Now, I don't like that. Do you? How would you like to be in in a Bible with that label? No. So what if we rename her today and know her as The woman who touched Jesus. The woman who touched Jesus. With a humble spirit and a frail body, she touches him with the only thing she has left, her faith. And it is really her courage, along with that gift of touch, through her faith, that makes her well. Even though she cannot be touched or touch anyone after all that time, it is touch that ends up making her well. It is the courage it took for her to reach out and touch the hem of Jesus' clothes that saves her. When Jesus realizes that he has been touched, she falls before him, probably afraid, probably feeling ashamed. But then Jesus calls her daughter. This is the only gospel account where Jesus addresses a woman as daughter. An endearing title, a personal one, and one of belovedness and belonging. So with this affirmation from Jesus, she is made well and restored to community with this title. She is empowered then to take up the rest of her life. She is saved from shame, isolation, and pain. She is accepted back into the community, and she is restored to life. An insider article from June 2020, which of course was right in the middle of the COVID pandemic and time of quarantine, explains that people are experiencing what the author calls skin hunger. Skin hunger. After weeks and months without touching anyone. This term describes the physical and mental health consequences caused by a lack of human touch. This includes higher stress levels, a weakened immune system, and poor sleep. The need to touch others makes us human. When we are born, we are 100% dependent upon caregivers to clothe us, to feed us, to bathe us, to hold and comfort us. All of these activities require touch. 
As Pastor Jerry shared, if we're not touched enough as babies, our bodies grow too slowly. Our brains don't fully develop and our immune systems struggle. And we never grow out of our need to be touched by others. The woman from today's text was without a doubt suffering from extreme skin hunger. And I imagine that many of us at one time in our lives have suffered from skin hunger as well. So I believe that we have to give this woman who touched Jesus credit for knowing exactly what she needed. Many of us go about our lives realizing that we hunger for things, but we're not sure what that is. Or we don't know what we need as far as the ways that we feel seen and loved. Dr. Gary Chapman is a well-known marriage counselor and director of marriage seminars. And as an author and speaker and counselor, he has a passion for people and helping them form long-lasting, healthy relationships. He's most well-known, of course, for the five love languages. Anybody familiar? Yes, very good, very good stuff. So Dr. Chapman believes that each one of us has one or two predominant ways that we give and receive love. And here they are, words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, physical touch, and receiving gifts. Do you know which one or two is yours? If not, I invite you to think about it. There are a lot of quizzes you can take online to figure it out. And I know this helps me know a lot about how I function well in relationships in my life. But you can see the physical touch is one of the five. So which one do you identify with the most? Perhaps you can see how all of them affect the way that we live and love in our relationship with others. But if physical touch does fall lower on the list for you, consider the ways that you may feel challenged to give or receive touch in healthy and spiritual ways that lead to healing and restoration for you and for those that we are in community with. For two newborn baby girls years ago in Germany, the gift of human touch was literally a lifesaver. So we're going to take a look at their story. Human touch changed my family's life. And although not all of us can touch right now, it was at one time our salvation. This is our story. Sixteen years ago, my twin sister and I were born. Nine weeks too early. My sister had a hole in her heart and could not breathe by herself. My parents were desperate. The doctors were helpless. She became so weak, it seemed all hope was lost. But then, a nurse had the idea to put my sister next to me in the incubator. Although, of course, I can't remember it, I touched and held her. And right after that, she got stronger. I survived because of my sister's touch.
So may we, like these brave young women, and the woman who touched Jesus, find comfort, healing, and wholeness in the gift of human touch. May we, like the woman who touched Jesus, find the courage to reach out, that we may be restored to wholeness, to new life, and a sense of belonging. Because I think we need it now more than ever. Amen. you may know that you are beloved and touch others with God's grace. Amen. Go in peace.